0: Well, today's part two of our series called Expectations, where we're taking a look at some of the things that sort of hold us back and and just sort of weigh us down as we go through the holiday season. Last week, I talked to you about you need to let go of like a lot of the stuff that you have. Buy less stuff, get rid of stuff, just don't let stuff become a part of what this holiday is all about. Then today, I want to talk to you about distractions, because. Let's face it, it's easy to get distracted during Christmas, isn't it? Because we got shopping to do, there's cookies that you got to bake, decorating that needs to be done, you're buying this gift and that gift and this gift and that gift for all these different people. You got parties that you want to be going to, just so, so easy to get distracted and all of a sudden it's going to ruin not just your Christmas, but it's going to ruin your life as well if you allow distractions to weigh you down. Now, most of the time when we think about distractions, we don't think about something that's going to like ruin our lives. But did you know that the English word distraction actually comes from a Latin word, distraho? And distraho means to pull something apart, to be pulled apart, to to rip apart. And if you think about it, that's what Satan's trying to do with your life, isn't he? He's trying to pull you apart from a relationship with Jesus. He's trying to pull apart your life. No wonder Jesus comes along and he says that Satan wants to steal from you and kill you and destroy you. I mean, that's what Satan is about. Every demonic force on this planet wants to ruin your life, to divide your mind, to discourage your soul and to disengage your faith. And so the first thing I put on your outline for you here today, if you're taking notes is this, the easiest way for Satan to destroy you is by distracting you from the things which matter most. Let me say that again. The easiest way for Satan to destroy you is by distracting you from the things which matter the most. Today, what I want to do is I want to share with you probably the most famous story of distraction that we have found in Scripture. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to hang out today, Luke chapter 10. I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us here today. In the upper right-hand corner of your screen, you'll notice right now there's a little thing called there. It's called talk notes. You'll push that. That's going to take you to all the Scriptures I'm going to look at today, as well as all the main points I'll be making. For those of you that are here in the room, if you pull out the uh, orange card there, you scan that, that's going to take you right to the talk notes. You'll be able to get to that. Or you can go right to our website, exponential.church, and access them as well. Now, as you continue to turn to Luke chapter 10, a little bit of context here. Jesus, he does three and a half years of public ministry. The first year and a half was sort of localized ministry he was doing. He was starting to gather a following, he's starting to ask some people to come follow me, and he's raising up these people. We call them disciples. Now, There were 12 apostles. There was more than 12 disciples. So Jesus has a lot of disciples that he's making. So for that first year and a half, again, it's sort of localized. But then after that, he starts to travel with them. And he's starting to give them his authority to go out and do the things that he did, to to heal the sick, to cast out the demons. And so that's what's going on as we get here to Luke chapter 10. They're now on the road. And we read this then in Luke 10, verses 38 to the first part of verse 40. The Lord and his disciples were traveling along and came to a village. When they got there, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was what? Martha was what? Was she? She was? She was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Now, I don't really blame her. I mean, think about what it'd be like to have Jesus come over to your house for dinner. There's all kinds of things that you'd have going on, all kinds of stress. In modern day terms, we would be cooking, vacuuming, dusting, you pick up the socks off the floor, you're cleaning the toilet, you're taking the the lint roller to get all the dog hair off of the furniture, and you're... Like lighting the candles, you're baking dessert, you're restocking the toilet paper. Once he's actually there in your home, what are you doing? Jesus, come on in. Great to have you here. Hey, here's a seat. Can you have a seat here? Do you need something to drink? So like, no wonder she's like so distracted. She's got all these things that she's trying to do. She's trying to be a great host. But to top it all off, as she's doing this, she looks around and she notices that her sister Mary... He's just sitting there like a lazy bum at the feet of Jesus, just talking to Jesus. Second part of verse 40. Finally, she went to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. Now, before we look at Jesus' response, let me ask you a question. You ever been in a situation like this? Have you ever been the Martha in a story where, like, you have the family over and, like, you and maybe a couple other people, you're doing, like, all the work and then you look around, other family members, they're just sitting there like lazy bums, they're not doing anything. Or or maybe you've had this happen. Have you ever had, like, a cousin of yours or maybe an aunt or an uncle that they show up and the only thing they ever bring to family gatherings is empty Tupperware? because they're going to, like, take home leftovers. But they didn't bring anything, but they're going to take a bunch of stuff out. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been in a family gathering where you're, like, looking around going, not everybody's playing their part. Not everybody's pulling the weight here in this situation. And that's exactly what's happening with Martha here. She's, like, looking around, and she's going, my sister is so, so lazy. Verses 41 to 42. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by many things, but only what? Only how many? Only one thing is necessary. Mary has discovered the better thing, and it will not be taken away from her. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that there are many things that are necessary. No, he says there's only one thing which is necessary, only one thing that's important. And Mary has discovered that one thing. Now, listen. Martha, her heart was good, her intentions were good, but she had become distracted. And the same thing happens for us, doesn't it? We get distracted by so many things in our lives. Our little phone, it ding, 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 we get a little notification. It's an email, it's a social media notification. So we pull out the phone and we start to check it. We want to see what's going on right now. It's so, so important to us. And then while we're on there, we decide, okay, I'm going to check my Facebook, my Instagram, my TikTok, my ex. We're going to check all these things out. It's just become such a habit. Next thing you know, minutes have passed by. Sometimes even hours have passed by. You've just been right there on your phone. Again, this time of year, we get distracted by all the Christmas preparation, the cookies and the decorations and the decorating and all the things that need to be done. Plus, you still got to get your kids to soccer practice and dance and all the things that you would normally be doing. And so you decide to drive through the McDonald's drive through for the third time this week. I mean, we'll get healthy at the beginning of the year, but right now there's just places to go and people to see and things to do. There's just so much stuff that needs to be done. Hold on. My phone just dinged again. More social media notifications. More things to do. And so we pull it back out and we're checking that once again. But wait, I haven't posted anything yet today. I need to do a little selfie here. Up, oh, but wait, I got to take some time and make sure that the filter on it is just right. Well, wait, let me take that again. It didn't look right on that one. Okay, take it again, and I'm going to get the filter just right on it so I can have it look the way it needs to look so I can get it out there because I need to, to make sure that people know what's going on in my life right now. And so then we put our phone back in our pocket, but then like two minutes later... We pull it back out because now we got to see, did people actually like my post? Because we want to know, do people like me? Do people think that I'm good enough, that I'm smart enough? Do people think that I'm, I'm worthy in some way? And so we keep pulling the phone back out over and over and over again. Like Martha, we've gotten distracted. We've gotten distracted just by stuff by things that we think is important. But Jesus said there's only one thing that's actually important. Now, before we get to that one thing that is important that Mary had chosen, let me say this, and I put it on your outline. Oftentimes, I won't be distracted having to make the choice between good and bad. No, the distraction comes when I choose good instead of best. Again, Martha didn't do anything wrong in this story. But what she chose to do was the good, while Mary chose the best. And so the question for us today is this. Do you want to be more like Mary, or do you want to be more like Martha? If you want to be more like Mary, what would that practically look like in our daily lives? Well, three things I want to share with you from the Word of God here today that's going to help us to diminish the distractions that so easily come. So number one on your outline, I must distance myself from things which will tempt me to be distracted. Again, you, 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 just, you have to distance yourself from these things. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's writing about marriage, and he's sort of giving some advice to marriage. But I think what he concludes with here is actually something that applies to all times of life. Look at 1 Corinthians 7.35. Paul writes this. He says, What I'm saying is for your own good. It isn't to limit your freedom. I want to help you to live right and to love the Lord above all else without any what? Without any distractions. So we need to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to do that. But we need to do it without any distractions. Paul's giving great advice. He's not trying to restrict us or, or, you know, hold us back in some way. He wants us to live free and have the best possible life that we can. But we've got to keep Jesus as our number one focus, free from distraction. So then the question is this. What do you think is the number one distraction we have in our day and time? What do you think it is? I already gave you a hint. I already talked about it in this message. What's the number one distraction we have in our day and time? Yeah, people are holding them up. It's your phone. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years, people lived without this little device. This has only been around for about the last 30 years, but now people absolutely cannot live without this. They have it in their hands all the time. They're constantly looking at it, doing different things with this little device that, again, hasn't been around for all that long. And it's hurting us. It's keeping us from a relationship with Jesus. I'm truly, truly convinced that even many followers of Jesus think that the Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the cell phone. We've elevated the cell phone to the role of God in our lives. This little device has taken over things for us. Did you know that the average American turns on their phone? In other words, they, they hit the little button to, to turn on their screen. The average American does that 144 times per day. That is, let me make sure I've got my math right, that is nine times per waking hour. That works out to be once every seven minutes. Again, that's just you reaching and turning the little power button on. I haven't even talked yet about how much time do you then actually spend on the phone. Did you know the average American now spends 4.8 hours per day on their phone? You're going, well, maybe they're doing it for productive things. No, they're not. Two-thirds of that time is either on social media or playing games. It's amazing how often I see people that they have their phone out just in random times, and I look down, and what are they doing? They're playing a game at the most random time. And then they'll set it down for a second, and then they pick it right back up a couple seconds later, and they're playing the game again. Jesus said that there's only one thing that's important. And let me tell you, playing games on your cell phone is not very important. Checking social media on your cell phone is not very important. People wonder, why is it that I never can meet my goals in life? Why is it that my relationship with Jesus is suffering and I never feel as close to God as what other people feel? Why is it that my relationships in general are suffering? Why don't I have any close friends? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because we've made the phone an idol in our lives. This is the thing we had the primary relationship with. Not people, not Jesus, this little device. And so what I'm saying today is we need to distance ourselves. We need to, to distance anything that is distracting us in our lives. Now, let me be very, very clear. Your phone, social media, games are in and of themselves not bad. But like Martha, what we're doing is we're choosing the good instead of choosing the best. And so I want you to repeat this with me. Just say this out loud. My life is too valuable. My calling is too great. And my God is too good for me to be distracted by things that do not matter. So here's my challenge for you this week. I want you to every single day take your cell phone out of your pocket, put it into another room somewhere, and leave it behind for at least one hour. One hour every single day that you just don't even have your phone even in the same room that you're in. You're going, to go, I, 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 I couldn't do that. Well, if you're like that, you're saying, oh, I, I couldn't do that, you're proving my point. You're proving that you've made your phone an idol Again, we haven't even had this little device for, uh, it's only been a couple decades. You lived fine without it for many, many years before that. Set it aside for at least one hour every day just to prove that you can do it. Now, some of you are saying, well, my phone isn't a problem. Okay, great, then this isn't gonna be a hard exercise for you to do. But what is it in your life, then, that is a problem? What is it that is distracting you? Whatever it is, distance yourself from it. By the way, for some of you, your distraction isn't an it. Your distraction is a who. Some of you have people in your life that are distracting you from the best life that Jesus would have for you. Look at what? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, do not be deceived. Associating with bad people will ruin good character. It's going to ruin you. And so you have got to get rid of some friends. You've got to get rid of that dating relationship. If, if they're not helping you to get closer to Jesus, then you need to get rid of them. Stop dating them. Anything that distracts us, we need to distance ourselves from it or from them. Number two. I must ask God to give me the power to focus on what's important. You know, Solomon, who other than Jesus was the wisest man who ever lived, he, he talked a lot about the difference between those who are wise and those who are fools, and he would give a lot of practical advice both ways. And In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25, he's actually differentiating between the two. And, and look at what he says here. He says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your sight be focused in front of you. You've got to look straight ahead your eyes be focused you know most of you know that I grew up on a horse farm uh, racing you know thoroughbreds and one of the things that you often have to do with with uh, these horses is you put what's called blinkers on them and basically it's these plastic cups that go on either side of the bridle or sometimes it's a actual hood that has the cups built in and what the blinkers do is as it's there on the side of the eyes is it helps to keep the horse from being distracted You see, when the the horse is is racing, sometimes the crowd can be a distraction. Sometimes the other horses can be a distraction. And so what those blinkers do is it helps that horse to focus straight ahead, to only look straight ahead. Why? Because you want that horse focusing on what the goal is, and the goal is to win. And see, all of us, we want to win this thing called life. So we need to put some blinkers on. We need to ask God to supernaturally give us some some blinkers to help us to keep our eyes focused straight ahead. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, we read this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. got to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, but that's not easy. There's so many things that try to distract us, so many things in the world. Again, at Christmas time here, there's so many distractions that keep us from what this season is really all about, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. then, you know, I've shared this story with you many times, and I shared it with you recently. This is the story of Peter, right? As he's walking on the water, how did he walk on the water? It's because he was keeping his eyes focused on Jesus. When did Peter sink? When he got distracted by the wind, when he got distracted by the waves, then he starts to sink. And see, that's where some of you are at now. You feel like you're sinking right now. You, you feel overwhelmed by life, and what I'm saying to you is, get your eyes back on Jesus. Focus on Him and Him alone. How do we do that? Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he will give you everything that you need. Look at that again. Seek what? What does Jesus say? Seek. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all the other things are going to be given to you as well. So again, everybody say the word First. First. What's the first thing you do every day? It's not grab this thing. It's not your cell phone. That's not the first thing that you do. What do you do first? You seek the kingdom of God first. You spend time with Jesus first every single day. And you ask him, Jesus, help me to love you today with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus, help me today to seek you first, to not get distracted by all the things of this world. We seek him first. Again, everybody say the word first. First. The first day of the week, Sunday, we give that to him It isn't to do what you want to do. It's not to shuttle your kids here and there and everywhere for their activities. No, the first day of the week belongs to Jesus. We come in, we worship him, we pray, we serve, we give, we sing, we fellowship with one another. We worship him, we give him first priority in our week. We seek him first. Everybody say first. We're eventually going to get this. First. The first part of your paycheck isn't yours. The first 10% belongs to him. You give him that first 10%, you return it back to him in this thing called the tithe. And I've shared this with you before. It's amazing that God's math and our math is completely different. Because 90% of your income, when you, so you've given him that first 10%. 90% of your remaining income with God's blessing is greater than 100% of your total income if you're not tithing. Because God says, I put a curse on it if you're living off 100% of your income. The first 10% belongs to him. And so when it comes to our time, we give him the first part of our time, the first part of our day, the first part of our week. We give him the first part of our money everything we give to him first. We don't get distracted by other things, like, again, our kids' activities, or we don't get distracted by the latest and greatest thing on Amazon of, oh, I got my paycheck, so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to buy that thing on Amazon. No, the first thing you do is you give back to God. We seek him first. Focus our eyes on him here's the truth of the matter you don't accidentally become spiritually mature you don't just sort of fall into growing in your faith and effectiveness you don't accidentally give god glory no you have to be very very intentional and the way we're intentional in our lives is we give him the first part of our day we give him the first part of our week we give him the first part of our income we give him everything first And we keep our eyes focused on him and his mission that he has given to us for our lives to become disciple makers. Again, every demonic force on this planet is trying to distract you. It's trying to get you to be like Martha instead of being like Mary. And so we have got to pray and ask Jesus, help me to keep those blinkers on. So I seek you first and I'm keeping my eyes on you and you only. Number three then. I must listen to and then uh, then obey the voice of God. Again, I must listen to and then obey the voice of God. The prophet Isaiah, he's writing about what it means to live a life that's pleasing to God. And he says this in Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or the left, you will hear a voice saying, this is the road, now follow it. You know, I think the big mistake that so many people make is they pray and they ask Jesus to forgive them of their sins, and that's great. But what you've done then is you're trusting him for your eternal life, but then after that, you don't trust him for the rest of your life. Does that make sense to you? Many people trust him for their eternal life, but after that prayer, they don't trust him for the rest of their life. But we have got to do what Isaiah was talking about here, we can't do our own thing. We can't go our own way. Isaiah says, each day and every decision that you make, you need to listen to the voice of God and allow him to tell you where to go. He says, here's the road, and now your job is to follow it. You're going, Gilbert, how's that, how's that work? How do I hear the voice of God? Is it like Morgan Freeman's voice, like something speaks to me from heaven? Well, it can be that way. God can still audibly speak to people. But most of the time, it's not going to be that way. A lot of times, it's going to be through the, the still, small voice of the Spirit that you just sense the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And you just sort of know that you know that you know that you know that this is God. This wasn't just bad pepperoni pizza that I ate for lunch. No, this is actually God that's speaking to me. Oftentimes, God will speak to you through the Word as you're sitting in reading it, as you're seeking Him first every single morning, and you're in the Word and you're reading it. God's going to speak to you through that. God will speak to you through other people. Some of you God's been speaking to this morning through my words. That the Spirit of God is taking my words and is translating it to your heart and to your life, to your mind. And you are being convicted of some things and you're like, all right, Gilbert said it, but I think that was actually God speaking to me. That there's some changes that I need to make. And so whether it's myself or somebody else preaching, sometimes it's a Christian book, you know, sometimes you're reading it and you're going, are they like living with me? Like, are they secretly here in my house somewhere? How do they know these things about me? Well, we don't know those things about you. Again, that's the spirit of God is speaking to you through another person. Sometimes God's going to speak to you through circumstances of life. they like things just keep happening over and over and over again. And you just go, okay, this isn't a coincidence. This is, this is God. God is up to something. He's trying to speak to me here right now. You see, God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? Or have you allowed the noise and the chaos and the distractions of this world to drown out the voice of God? And here's my encouragement to you. Each and every day, you should take a little bit of time just to sit in silence and say, God, I'm listening. Speak to me. Allow him to speak. And then when God speaks to you, No matter how crazy it may sound, no matter how much faith it may take, do it. Obey it. It's not enough just to hear God speaking. You need to obey it then as well. Again, no matter how crazy it may be, just simply obey. So I wrap up today. I'm reminded there was a a best-selling book many years ago called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. If you remember, the the subtitle of that book was, and it's all small, right? So don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small. What I'm saying to you here this morning is our tendency is to be more like Martha, that we sweat the small stuff. We're distracted by the small stuff. We're distracted even by the good stuff. But ultimately, those things don't matter. And so as we continue through this holiday season and then get ready to turn the page into 2024, Let's all vow to be more like Mary. Let's learn to diminish the distractions in our lives. Let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus, to sit at his feet, to learn how to become more and more like him in character, in conduct. Let's do that. Let's live for him. So one more time, I I had you say this earlier, but let's repeat it again. My life is too valuable. My calling is too great. And my God is too good to be distracted by things that do not matter. All right, let's pray to Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together on this first day of the week. That we're giving you the first part of our week to honor you, to worship you, to glorify you. And to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that my words haven't been my words, but they've actually been your words that are being spoken to the hearts and the lives of people. And that each and every person today would have been convicted in some way of the things that are distracting them from keeping you first. Lord, I know for many it is technology. It's the cell phone. And so, Father, I pray that we would just have a reality check here right here and right now to realize that for many of us we've we've made that cell phone an idol and that we need to set it aside not spend so much time instead spend more time with you learn to become more and more like you because ultimately it's not going to matter if we won angry birds or candy crush or any of those things that we so often do what's going to matter is Did I know Jesus in such a way that other people then came in a relationship with him? Did I help make disciples who made disciples who made disciples? Those are the things that are going to really, really matter. But Jesus, that's not going to happen if we're just being distracted by just stupid things. And again, they're not bad things. They're just good things instead of the best things. So help us to focus on that one single thing that is best, and that is you. Help us to all be more and more like Mary. Sit at your feet to learn from you. Lord, help us to learn to diminish the distractions that are in our lives. I pray all this in Jesus' name.